0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. She stroked her husband's cheek. It was a gentle touch, a touch of love. And she hummed quietly into his ear. She knew that it wouldn't be much longer. His breathing was heavy, and he was so restless, like a butterfly getting ready to come out of a cocoon. And that's exactly what was happening. The man was getting ready to be born into a new and wonderful place. His children and grandchildren stood quietly in the corners of the room weeping. They didn't want him to go, and occasionally one would sob into a Kleenex. But the woman kept singing and whispering into the old man's ear and gently stroking his head. She loved him so much. She was almost like a midwife at his birth as she gently encouraged him. She told him it was all right for him to go that they would all be okay, and not to worry about them. They'd all be together again in that heavenly house with many rooms. It was time, she said, time for him to go. She told him to look for his mom, his dad, his brother, and not to keep Jesus waiting, and to keep an eye out for her. She kissed him on the ear and said, You better save me a place up there, and don't you ever forget how much I love you. And with that, he slipped away. Over the next couple of days, family and friends arrived at the man's house and gathered around the kitchen table. They came to share their stories. They laughed and they cried. And over endless coffee, they remembered. They got out the family photo albums and passed them around. They laughed at the funny clothes and the long hair. They remembered family vacations and Christmases long ago. They remembered the special things about him, the things he did, the things he said. Someone would say something, and that would trigger even more precious memories, like dominoes falling. Things that had been forgotten were remembered. Three days after his death, they gathered in the church to find comfort in their sorrow. They gathered to give thanks to God for this man's life. And the pastor read the Easter story from Matthew just like we did this morning. And he reminded them of the resurrection promise of life beyond life. And God was there with them. And he comforted them. Now we Christians live in a tension, don't we? A tension between Good Friday and Easter. A Good Friday world is full of suffering and questioning, unfairness, troubles, mistakes, hurts, Losses and grief. Good Friday in the Christian faith is the day we commemorate God's suffering and death on the cross. It's a day to remember all Christ did that day. And that it was our sins he died there for. Our sins that drove each nail deeper into the rough cut blood soaked wood he was pinned to. Today we come together again. This time to celebrate his resurrection in the empty tomb. Because we know that if the tomb they laid Jesus' body in couldn't hold him, the grave won't be able to hold us either. That there's a better place waiting, just beyond this one, just like he promised. It's a Good Friday world, filled with suffering and troubles and death. But we're Easter people. We're Easter people. If you remember just one thing this morning, remember that. It's a Good Friday world, but we're Easter people. It makes all the difference in how we approach day-to-day living. It makes all the difference in how we approach death. It makes all the difference in how we manage to live with death as an undeniable part of this life. The former director of the British Museum, Neil McGregor, wrote a, a book called The History of the World in 100 Objects. A man whose daily life was surrounded by objects of history, some on public display, but many thousands more in storage down in the bowels of the facility. He wondered if he could tell the history of the world by picking out just 100 of those artifacts. I imagine it was quite a challenge. He chose a mummy of a, a high priest from Egypt during the time of the biblical prophecies, and a stone chopping tool believed to be between 1.8 and two million years old. It's considered to be the oldest object that humans ever consciously made. A coin from 550 BC, and not just any coin. It was a coin of Croesus, the last king of Lydia, known for his vast wealth. He was defeated by Cyrus the Persian, a big part of our Old Testament history. And so it goes up through modern times. But noticeably missing are three things that influenced history like no others. Maybe because they're, they weren't stored in, in his or any other museum. The cross, the tomb, and the stone that was rolled away by the angel to, rep- to, to reveal the, the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Without them, you're missing the most important chapter in the history of the world, aside maybe from creation. And like the three days Jesus' body his dead body, lay in the tomb. They can't be separated. Without the cross, there is no tomb. Without the tomb, there is no stone. And without the stone, there's no resurrection. And without the resurrection, the Apostle Paul argues, we are of all people most to be pitied. First Corinthians 15. Without the tomb, the cross fades into nothing more than a a hero story in which the hero is killed and evil wins. We spend a lot of time focusing on the cross because it was on that cross, Jesus' own innocent shed blood was poured out to take away all our sins. But the tomb is also important to our faith because the tomb is where you put dead people and Jesus was dead. That's not something to just skim over in our salvation story. He didn't faint. He didn't just uh, appear to die and have a near-death experience like so many people who write books that make the bestseller list. The tomb is important because it meant Jesus died. And in Jesus' day, dead people were put into tombs. If he wasn't dead, then the cross is a sham and the resurrection a fable. But Jesus died. Dead like three days in the L.A. morgue, dead. You know, I suppose I think more about death the older I get, just like everybody else, I suppose. I know that unless Jesus returns first, I'll contract something or I'll develop something sooner or later that I won't recover from, even if it's just old age. I'm not afraid of dying. Like everyone else, I hope, just hope it doesn't hurt too much. But you know, even if it does, it'll be worth it just to get to the other side, because I sincerely believe, just like the Bible promises, that death is only a doorway I'll have to pass through to reach my real home in heaven. Just a doorway. On the other hand, I can't say I'm looking forward to it like uh, on the next bus either. But maybe some of you are. You've raised your family, your kids are launched and doing okay on their own. You've lived a pretty good life and now that the issues and struggles of a long life have caught up with you, you're, well, you're beginning to look forward to the next one. If you know Jesus, your risen Savior, you know that's okay. There's also the fact that, like many of you, I'm just too busy right now to fit it into my schedule. There's no time to die. It'd be too inconvenient. But then I hear the Easter story again. And I'm reminded that the real goal of my life is to die in Christ and be welcomed into my eternal home, uh, the one already prepared for me. And I think, you know, how busy is too busy? God must get a real kick out of that one. And what a great story it is. Easter's like a bright light that cleaves the darkness of our Good Friday world. You know, that first Easter was some surprise, right? The women didn't go to the tomb to to experience the resurrection. They'd gone hoping to finish preparing Jesus' body for its final rest. Unlike the Egyptians who embalmed to preserve the body, the Jews anointed the body with perfumes and spices to mask the odor of decomposition. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea had done what they could on Friday, but because under Jewish law the body needed to be in tune before sundown, there hadn't been time to finish before the beginning of the Sabbath, when no work was was to be done. The tomb would have been a, a chamber, really hollowed out of solid rock, with a shelf built on one side where the body could be laid. The doorway would have been closed with a very heavy circular stone that rolled down a slightly inclined uh, runway or a, a channel until it slammed into place, sealing the opening. The two men did what they could in the short time they had, wrapping Jesus' body in strips of linen interspersed with myrrh and aloes. And then the wedge holding that great stone door in place was kicked away, and the stone rolled home. According to Matthew and Mark, the stone was very large, while two ancient manuscripts add that that 20 men could scarcely roll it. Now, how the women thought they could ever manage to get inside was a question they hadn't solved yet, but they knew they had to try. As they were making their way to his borrowed tomb, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord had descended and rolled back the stone and sat on it, waiting. His appearance was like lightning, Matthew tells us. His clothes as white as snow. The women went from, from perplexed to terrified in a New York minute. They weren't ready for Easter yet. They were still Good Friday believers, prepared to anoint the body, but not celebrate the resurrection. The angel tells them, don't be afraid. And he invites them to take a look inside for themselves. I know that you seek Jesus, he says, who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. The tomb was empty. As the women make their way back to tell the disciples the good news, Jesus makes a personal, unscheduled appearance. Greetings, he says. Can you even imagine? Greetings. The Bible tells us they took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. He tells them not to be afraid, but to go and tell the others that he'll meet them in Galilee. And just like that, their surprise and their sorrow turned to joy. Their Savior was alive. Their hope restored a hundredfold. And not only his disciples, but more than 500 people would see Jesus alive before he returned to his Father in heaven. Now, was the story's ending a surprise to you? No? What, you've heard it before? I suppose it's good to know how the story ends because it fills us with hope. But even though it may have been something that lost its surprise for you, I pray that it will never lose its sense of wonder because it truly is wonder-filled, wonderful. Maybe we can recover some of that wonder this morning. The kids still have it. Maybe that's why we like egg hunts so much, why the Easter Bunny got a special dispensation this year to make his rounds. We get to relive that, that sense of surprise and wonder through children. You know, but even we cynical old adults can recapture that wonderment. We can do it by remembering that once God had brought us to faith, we became Easter people in spite of living for now in a Good Friday world. A world Jesus has overcome for us. That's why our Easter faith isn't just something for Easter morning. We recapture that moment every time our faith helps us transcend our everyday troubles or, or even a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. The tomb is empty. Jesus lives and so will we one day in a better place, a perfect place where death has been banished forever. The Good Friday world we live in for now is besieged with the specter of looming death, crushed hopes, dashed desires, devastated dreams. Good Friday was a a day when everything seemed to be going wrong. Have you ever had a day like that? You know, one of those days when you just felt overwhelmed, holding on to your sanity by a thread at the end of your rope? Haven't you had one of those days when you were ready to just chuck it all and give up? Well, to live as an Easter Christian means that we can live as hopeful people in what would otherwise seem like a hopeless world. You know, how much good news do you read in the papers these days? Or online? How much good news do you see on TV? Not that much. For the most part, it's warnings and it's worries and it's hopelessness and political infighting and sniping. That's a Good Friday world. But we're not Good Friday believers, we're Easter people. And Easter is God's promise that He'll always be around ready to roll back the stone from the door of the tomb for us to peek in one more time to remind us that there really is hope in what often seems like a hopeless world. God is near. The empty tomb is God's way of showing us that one, Jesus' Good Friday death was accepted as payment for all our sins, and two, that he has power even over death itself. Because Jesus lives, God goes with you, unseen, Every single day. He's there even in the midst of your worst Good Friday moments. So just like that first Easter, don't be surprised if he shows up when you least expect it. All over the world today, people are gathering together digitally like this to remember and rejoice, to celebrate Jesus, the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, our Savior and Redeemer, alive forevermore. And as we rejoice and lift our voices in song this morning, heaven sings and rejoices right along with us. Even apart, we've we've come together as one in Christ. This is what it's all about, the Christian faith. People join together not just by their physical proximity, but by their common belief, by faith that because Jesus lives, we shall live also. Death in the grave will have no more hold on us than it did on him. You know, by tonight, you'll be able to walk into Rite-Aids or Vaughns and find chocolate Easter eggs marked at 50% off. By Tuesday, Easter merchandise will be uh, slashed to 60% off. And by Friday, 70% and beyond that, Uh, You'll probably find it in the dumpster. But while the culture, the Good Friday world, continues to discount and even dump Easter, we're called to take a different view. We're to take Easter into our hearts and make it part of our everyday living because an Easter world is filled with joy. Christ's victory over sin and death is our victory. By faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Our future in heaven is secured. And it just gets better from here. It's that kind of a wonderful, surprisingly good news day. Just when we need it most. Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And amen. And now may that very special peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. We'll take a moment now to confess our Christian faith together in the words of the Apostles' Creed.